This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get off to a rousing start. Pete McCarthy gracing us on a Sunday morning. Hmm. <laughs> What'd we do to deserve this? Well, good morning. I'm Bob Salter. It's going to be a busy show today. For a couple of reasons. Not the least of which is the fact that we have some great guests with us. Hour one of our program, appropriately enough, we're joined by a gentleman who has spoken with us a couple of times previously on this this program. His name is Robert Stack. He's the president and CEO of Community Options. Now, Community Options has an interesting mission and uh, there's a lot of information to share Community Options also is um, celebrating its 30th anniversary, literally this month. First of all, it's nice to have you join us again on our program. Good morning. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. How do you describe Community Options, especially, you know, at this point when you're celebrating your 30th anniversary? And congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, Actually, yesterday, uh, February 9th, was our exact date. Uh, that uh, I walked into uh, uh, uh office and gave them my incorporation papers and a check for $427. So, uh, <laughs> but it's uh, our mission is uh, to develop housing and employment jobs for people with severe disabilities. And uh, actually, you know, uh, when I, when I started this, uh, nonprofit with a group of people that 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 were parents with people with disabilities and friends with people with disabilities, uh, and uh, p- people that, that that knew people with disabilities and and business people. We said we'll keep the mission simple. It's kind of like well, IBM says their mission is to develop business machines, and it hasn't changed. We're the same way. Our mission then, 30 years ago, was to develop housing and employment for people with disabilities, and today it's develop housing and, uh, and employment for people with disabilities. Okay. Well, has that task gotten any easier over the years? Uh, no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not easier in the sense that um, you're still, you know, trying to figure out how to do it. I think what's, what's good about it is we're doing it more and we're doing it better. And, you know, when I started this thing, Bob, we were in, um, uh, uh, I was in a house. And um, I was more. I was uh, using uh, uh, the uh, the equity in the house to kind of keep the uh, nonprofit afloat. 
But now I'm proud to tell you, 30 years later, we're in uh, 11 states, and uh, we have we support about 3,600 families, and we're in a, a lot of cities, and we do a lot of fundraising, and uh, and uh, we do a lot of work with uh, with employers to get people with disabilities jobs. Uh, I also want to add that, you know, in the beginning, you know, it's hard to prove yourself as the person that can do it, but now I can point to you know other companies and say, hey, they're um, they're doing they're doing a lot, and uh, they've hired uh, they've hired us in, in this particular industry. Why don't you hire us in this in the industry we're coming to with you? And it, it validates us a lot more with them. How did you come up with the idea for this? I mean, you you're the one who founded this. Where did the idea come from? Well, you know, I worked uh, at other. I worked in a nonprofit before, and I worked for the state of New Jersey. And um, when I was a kid, I was in a seminary to be a priest, believe it or not. And I, um, I worked. We, we, we had to. You, you had you had to go to school six days a week. Mm-hmm. So you you had Latin six days a week and French six days a week and math six days a week. But Wednesday afternoon and Saturday afternoon, you could play sports or volunteer. I tried the sports thing, and I, I, I think I missed the basketball rim every time I tried, so I decided it'd be better to do uh, volunteer. <laughs> so uh, I volunteered uh, working with people with disabilities, kids with disabilities, and uh, it kind of stuck in my head. And uh, I kind of circled back after college and after graduate school and decided, hey, you know, this is something I want to do. At the core of the work of community options and what you're talking about with us in our discussion today, what you've been talking about for 30 years, at the core of the organization's uh, function is a real belief in the dignity of the people that you're serving and really of every person. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's thanks for bringing that up, Bob. You know, the whole thing is – when you talk about uh, anybody, there's, there's, a, there's, you know, people will, will say, "Oh, I'm afraid my son has a disability. What if he, what if he loses his job, or what if he, um, I'm afraid my son has disability, or my daughter has disabilities. What if they uh, can't make it in the workplace, um, or what if, uh, what if they're ridiculed, or what if they're ostracized by other people? The truth of the matter is, you know." You know, there's a dignity of risk and there's a dignity of having a job. You know, we, we, we work for money, sure, but we also work to feel good about what we do and to contribute to the company that we're working in. And um, uh, I'll never forget one of the first people I placed. His name was Donald. And I went to his house uh, in South New Jersey, and I got him a job at a, at a, at a uh, fast food restaurant. And he had a shirt on with his tag, and it said, Bob. And... Uh, I'm walking down the street with him, and he's. We're going to. I'm trying to teach him how to take a bus to to work, and he said to me, "What do you think everyone in the neighborhood's going to think when they see I got this this name tag that says Bob Big Boy?" I said, "Well, they're going to think you work that you that you work for Bob's Big Boy, Bob," and he said, and he's big smile on his face because mm-hmm. he knew that he had a job and he knew that he 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 had he was accepted as somebody else who could work just like anybody else, and that that dignity is phenomenal. Well, you know, at the core of the work of community options also is this whole idea of, in a way, the work that you're doing is changing and has changed attitudes in a phenomenal fashion. Um, You know, it's what you just said points to this whole idea of not being focused so much on 
the limitations that people have, but more of a focus on what their real abilities are? Yes, that, that's true. I mean, you know, we all, um, we, everybody that, that we, everyone of us, every one of us in, in this country, we have, we all bring to the table certain things that we're good at. And people with disabilities are just like that. They have certain talents that they can do and certain functions that they can do for a company that can enhance that company's uh, 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 mission and enhance that company's uh, bottom line. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'll say about people with disabilities, I always say this to employers, the one thing we don't bring to the, to the, to the, to the job, we don't bring drama. We come there ready to work. We roll up our sleeves and we're ready to do whatever the job is that they want us to do. And uh, we don't we don't uh, feel like uh, we're we're uh, we're going to complain about what happened the night before, or we're not going to we're going to come there with the idea of having a job. And most of the people with disabilities that have jobs, they are absolutely so grateful that they got one, and that makes such a big difference. Well, naturally, because in in many cases, I'm assuming that a large part of their life, their existence, um, before being introduced to the work of your organization, has been focused on their limitations, the things they can't do. The you know what you said before. It's kind of those what if questions always being raised. Sure, you know you bring up so many good points. It's 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 absolutely true. We. Um, we, we, we bring people with disabilities to jobs, and it is a what if. But one thing that, you know, I will say, what if, look, one of our new campaigns that we're using is called All It Takes. And we're saying all it takes is a job. All it takes is a friend. All it takes is a house. All it takes is you. And one of the things that we're realizing, I mean, what people, everyone knows this. We all make friends at work. We all we all develop relationships with people at work. We all develop uh, uh, acquaintances and friends. And people with disabilities need, need the same kind of thing. And if they're isolated, if they're sitting in their own in a house and they never come out, or they're sitting there with their families and they never get a chance to interact with other people, they're never going to do a, 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 all it takes or to or what if to see if they can get out and, and visit other people and make friends with other people as well. Mm. We're talking on our program on The Fan, Sports Radio 66, Sports Radio 1019 with Robert Stack, who's the president, CEO, founder of Community Options. And he's sharing with us about the work of the organization Community Options was officially started literally 30 years ago yesterday. And uh, he has joined us for this hour of our program. You want to join us in our discussion, you can be on points um, with the discussion, ask questions, uh, be supportive of the ideas being expressed. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. When we talk about um, the work of community options today, the people who are working with you, working for you, um, what are they like? What kind of qualities do they bring to the table? What kind of backgrounds do they have? Well, that's another great question. We have right now, uh, Bob, we have a total of, of almost 6,000 staff nationwide. And we're our biggest operation is, you know, where I'm from, Pennsylvania, and also New Jersey and New York. And um, the thousands of people that work for us, a lot of them start out as um, people that have uh, 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 no degrees. Uh, they might have a high school diploma. They 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 certainly need they need a they need a clean you know record from for for uh, for uh, without crime, 
but there's people that can be trained and um, people that uh, uh, that want to work. Um, but we have uh, it can be anybody who says, you know what, I want to make a difference. I'll tell you a good story, Bob. Just recently, I hired a woman who was a high-level manager for a McDonald's. She worked for a large chain, 17 of them she managed, and now she's working with us. And she loves the fact that, you know, although they have great burgers and they're a good good organization, a good company, she wanted to do something where she could help the other side of it, where they, she could help find people with disabilities jobs. And um, that, that, and she's going to hire a lot more people. But we're we're always always looking to hire people in any of our locations, uh, from 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 Philly to Wilkes-Barre to King of Prussia to Allentown and all over New Jersey, from you know New Brunswick to Princeton to West Deptford to uh, to Glenrock, we're, we're we're to Manhattan to uh, Harlem. But we're always hiring people, and they're people that you know just have a. They just need to bring to the table one thing: they want to help other people with disabilities. And if they want to help them and they want to make a difference, we we're we're, we're there, and we'll we'll interview you, and we we're we're ready to hire you anytime you need a job. What is a way for people who are listening to this discussion today, who in some cases may have questions? There are people who may be able to be supportive of the efforts that you have underway. Sometimes people on this program will have a thought that could connect, could help what you're doing. How can they reach out to Community Options? Well, that's that's a great question, too. And it's the easiest way in the world. And somebody might be driving right now to their job, or they might they might have a pad in their hand or whatever. You just go Google Community Options and Community Options, and, and you, can, you can even Google Robert Stack Community Options, and, and all that stuff will come right up. And the website will guide you to the city that we're in. We have local – we have – we have offices. We have seven, eight executive directors in locally based in every county throughout New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York. So if you call, if you go on our website, uh, Community Options, all you do is type in Community Options, and then it'll say locations, and you just pick a location that you want. It could be, you know, it could be Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it could be, it could be, um, it could be Allentown, Pennsylvania. And then there'll be a phone number and an executive director's name. And all that you have to do is you can call them or you can even email them and, uh, set up a time to come in and see them and, 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 and interview for a position. All right. We're going to talk more with you. We've got a lot more to get to. We'll also try to work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us. 877-337-6666 is our number. Radio.com. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We're in discussion about um, the work of Community Options. The organization is uh, literally 30 years old, effective yesterday. Uh, Appropriate time to be talking with the founder, president, CEO, Robert Stack. He has joined us um, for this hour of our program on the fan and we've been talking a little bit about uh, some of the background on the organization, kind of its uh, mission as well. We've focused on, you know, your employment supports. Um, what about housing? And, you know, what's what's that effort been like over the years? What was it like when you started? Well, that's a great question. When, when we started, it was it was really tough because I didn't really have any money. And we had no credit except for a little bit. And uh, 
So the first three houses we bought were in 19, we incorporated in 89 and we spent a lot of time fundraising and trying to do a lot of stuff. And, and the first three homes we bought were in 1992. And when we buy a house, the house is, you know, just a small ranch house. We're all over the, the country and no one, if you drove by one of our houses, Bob, the one thing I'll tell you is I'm, I'm proud of, you wouldn't recognize it. Uh, we don't want you to point to our house and say, that's where those people live. We want you to just say, oh, there's a nice house, just like any other house. But it was difficult because, one, we had to always, we every time we open up a house, we, most of the time we have to put, you know, some, some modifications in for a bathroom or for, for a ramp or something such as that. And then we always, in, in, especially in New Jersey, we'll sprinkle the house because um, they want us to do that uh, by the requirements of the state. And uh, that, that'll uh, mitigate any possibilities of, of anybody being hurt in a fire. So we, we, we do that kind of stuff, and um, uh, and so and then we have to furnish it, et cetera. So we, we go through a lot of you know a lot of um, uh, uh, difficulties to try to do that. But uh, it's so exciting because right now um, we have well over a hundred homes throughout New Jersey. We have well over a hundred fifty homes throughout my home state, Pennsylvania, and we have about fifty houses throughout the uh, throughout the state of uh, of New York. So um, again, you know, we go and we'll 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 work on figuring out how to get the uh, the down payment, and then uh, we'll 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 figure out how to get we'll get two, three, no more than four people who have kind of common interests and might have significant disabilities, but might be around the same age, and we'll try to uh, find them a nice house to live in. We try to get them close to where their families live, so their families can visit them on a regular basis, and then we staff it. A twenty-four-seven with uh, with with staff to to work there and make sure that there's uh, that, that there's adequate supervision and adequate help for the people with disabilities that are there. So it works out really well. But it's it's an uphill struggle, uh, but we work really hard to do it. And I'm really proud to tell you that uh, our houses are we're very we work hard to make sure they're manicured lawns and they look good. And the one standard I have, Bob is I won't buy a house that I wouldn't live in myself. Mm-hmm. Well, having said that, let's also go to an area that we've talked about before on programs here. I think we touched upon this before in discussions that we had. You know, in citing housing, one of the issues very often is what has come to be referred to as the NIMBY syndrome of not in my backyard. How have you have you dealt with that? That's a, a w- w- what we try to do, and and we do it all the time. When after we buy the house, the first thing we do is we invite we, if, especially if it's in the in the in the springtime or summer, fall. Uh, we don't do it as often in the winter, but most of the time, what we do is we we will have a barbecue. And we'll invite all of the neighbors in the area to come to a barbecue or to come to, if they want to come over for a coffee in, in the morning and meet their new neighbors, uh, just like you would anybody else in a, in a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we let them all know that, you know, we're here and we're going to be here and we, we're going to help contribute to whatever you want us to do in your community. And, um, and, and they get to know the people and they get to see that the people that are we're going to live in the in those homes or people that they might have intellectual disabilities, they might have uh, autism, 
Uh, they might have cerebral palsy. They might be in a wheelchair, but they're 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 just as 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 genuine and just as caring as any other person uh, on that block. And um, we 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 work hard to to do that. And, and we also make an effort to uh, try to engage them in, in in letting us know that if they if they uh, if they want to get more involved with us, or they have somebody that needs a job that they know, uh, or they have a they have a son that wants to work in one of our houses, or a daughter. We have we have that ability as well. In terms of the work of community options, how much of your work also involves advocacy for the people that you're serving? Well, we we do some advocacy. We do we we're strong in we, you know we believe that people with well, first of all, when it comes to being employed with, with people with disabilities, I let every employer know we don't even know how to spell that word litigious. Or law, or anything. <laughs> if if we come to you, if we come to 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 your to your, to your uh, establishment of business, and you um and you and you say, yeah, I'm going to hire you. If it doesn't work out for any reason, we'll definitely we'll just walk out the door and we'll try to bring somebody else that you might like us to uh, try in the, in the job, and we'll have that person placed in another position. Um, so we, we we try to do that, and in the realms of advocacy. We're always trying to tell um, people, you know, in a nice way, like I'm doing right now on, on your tremendously wonderful radio show. We're just letting people know that, hey, people with disabilities are just like anybody else, and they want to do all it takes to, to, to get a job and all it takes to just live a life like everybody else does. And, um, you know, uh, we're, we, we try really hard to, uh, to uh, let, the, let, the pup, let the government officials know Whatever the governor, whether it's uh, Governor Murphy or Governor uh, Cuomo uh, or, or Wolf, we, we, we try to tell their offices what we're doing and how to get more involved with what we do. Are they receptive? Yeah, actually, they are. They are. They're very, very receptive. Uh, uh, Governor Murphy, before he got elected, he came and visited one of our employment. We have a we have a we have an office building with people with disabilities who work in it that we rent offices out to other other. Uh, 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 companies, and uh, he came and visited us at, the, at that place. And uh, uh, years ago, um, uh, uh, Mary Pat Christie came to our office, and um, uh, we 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 do get some 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 nice uh, political people that that'll come and say, "What are you doing here?" And they're always very interested in how it works and how they can uh, help facilitate making uh, it easier for us because they know that we're um, we're we're, the, we're on the ground. And we're trying to get these people jobs, and we're trying to get these people places to live. Now, tell us a little bit about this um, enterprises aspect of community options, because as I understand it, part of the idea there is to try to develop opportunities as well that are more entrepreneurial. Yes, we're um, we have a, something called the Daily Planet, where your business is the center of our universe, and. Um, Bob, you can rent an office there, and we will. And we have 25 offices. We're in Princeton. We're in Morristown. We're in Morristown, and we'll you'll come in an office, and we'll give you a little office, and and uh, you, you can pay rent, and you can have your uh, your consulting company, or your architect company, or your your real estate company, or whatever you want, your plumbing company, and all of the staff that work there are people with and without disabilities, and we help staff that. So that we can, um, uh, so that you can do your job effectively, 
it enables people with disabilities to uh, to interact with people without disabilities in other businesses, and it facilitates them to get uh, jobs. Um, and that that's that's turned out to be a very very good uh, thing. We started that in the in the in the, in the early in the mid '90s, and it's really grown into a, a, a wonderful uh, opportunity. And all the people that work there make with disabilities or without disabilities start up minimum wage or better, so they all have they all get paid. And then we also have, you know, appropriately to, to kind of wedge into here, Bob, we have a flower store. And, you know, uh, we have 14 people with significant levels of autism working in a flower store in Edison. We own it. It's called Baseful. And, uh, you know, right around this week, you know, we got that Valentine's Day coming up. So anybody that wants to uh, order flowers through Baseful, they can. And uh, we deliver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's Vaseful, V-A-S-E-F-U-L? Yes, base, you can go to Vaseful.com or 877-Vaseful, and uh, we, will de- we will deliver those, those flowers to, to your door. Okay, that's interesting and certainly timely, to say the least, uh, as well. When we talk about uh, community options, one of the things that we have to get into in discussion as well is talk a little bit, and appropriately enough, speaking of Valentine's Day and this weekend, let's talk about Cupid's Chase can you explain what the concept of Cupid's Chase is? Sure. <laughs> Bob, Cupid's Chase is a race. And um, we, we, uh, have a, we, we ran the race yesterday because uh, it was our anniversary, and also we run it on a Saturday. And it's a 5K race, and um, it's, um, the, all of the money that is raised, that go, the runners come to this race, all that money – uh, is 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 uh, to support people with disabilities. I'm proud to tell you we had over uh, 40 races nationwide. Um, in New Jersey, we had them in every city you could possibly. We we had them in, you know, Glen Rock and Morristown and Princeton and West Deptford and New Brunswick everywhere. In New Jer- in New York, we had them in Brooklyn and Queens and Syracuse and Harlem and and uh, Binghamton. We had them in Philly and Wilkes-Barre, King of Prussia, Bucks, Allentown. And it's a 5K race, and um, we have we have a shirt you get, and the shirt on the back says either available, uh, since it's Cupid's Chase, and it's evolving <laughs> Cupid, or unavailable, in case you want to, don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I kind of i am a little bit annoyed at my staff because I ran the Brooklyn race yesterday, and I got the number one um, – uh, uh, in my age group for the race. And I was so happy that I told some of my staff on the phone when I was driving back from Brooklyn and they said, well, how many people over 60 were in the race? <laughs> it wasn't many. <laughs> well, still congratulations. It's, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> the fact that, the fact that I didn't need a defibrillator, my wife said it's an accomplishment. Hey, hey, you did it. You finished it. That's the important thing. <laughs> It's it's nice that most of the people that were running in the Brooklyn race or most of the races they're all younger and they all like to interact and it's it's a fun thing and uh, you know uh, uh, one of the the legislators there Mr. Parker he shot the gun or whatever he bore the horn blew the horn we've had we've had different governors do it we've had Senator Carrillos from uh, from New Jersey do it we've had a lot of different uh, people do it and it's been uh, to start the race and that always gets everybody excited. And uh, we do them all simultaneously, and uh, they're all, you know, local to where they are. 
and uh, we're expanding every uh, time. Uh, this year we were at the Turtleback Zoo. Uh, and, uh, in, in West Orange, and, uh, that was our expansion place. And it's, it's been, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of, you know, we have, you know, food and all this stuff that's donated. And, you know, it's a, it's a good race. And I encourage everyone to do it next year again for our 31st anniversary. Why do you run the, do it, participate? <laughs> I, I think I'm getting older now, Bob, and I, I want to prove that I'm, I'm still not ready to retire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when we're talking about community options, one of the things that I'll get into with you, too, as we move to our next segment of discussion is to talk a little bit about the future sort of things that you have um, perhaps on your wish list, some hopes, things like that. Uh, but let me just ask you a question here. We have to pause in about a minute. Can you use, as an organization, can you use volunteers? Yes. What a question that was, huh? Yes. We're, 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 we're dying for more volunteers. Uh, anyone who wants to get involved. I advertise in church bulletins, everything you could possibly think of. We're always looking for uh, people to help us with our mission. We, you, know, we, you know, we have these houses, Bob. They've been around for 30 years. Sometimes they need paint inside, and, and we're not really that good at it. And uh, sometimes they need a little bit of sprucing or some help. And we've had some nice companies who have volunteer programs get involved with us. We're always looking to, certainly in New Jersey, there's a lot of pharmaceutical companies where they, they have a people that do these team building exercises and they want to volunteer. So if you can get your company to say, Hey, maybe we should contact community options. We really, really appreciate that. All right. I want to follow, great- follow up on that and talk about a few more things. Let's take a pause in our discussion. We're talking with Robert Stack from community options incorporated. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We are in a discussion about the work of Community Options Incorporated, talking with Robert Stack, who's the president, founder, CEO of Community Options. He's our guest this hour of our program, talking with him about uh, this whole idea of the mission of the organization being to develop housing and employment supports for persons with disabilities. What I say we'll do as well is to try to work in some thoughts from some of the folks who are listening to us. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. And I'll tell you what, let's see if we can work in a um, thought here. Um, And then I want to get back to a couple of points that follow up on some things that you were saying with us. Uh, First, let's go to Jerry in Brooklyn. Jerry, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Hello, Bob. You know, you do so much so much good working with a lot of the non-for-profits and you're such a caring person that uh, you're really a throwback um you do just such a great job um uh, every you know i i I mentioned that every time you open up the phones robert don't retire i retired i unretired i retired (laughs) and i unretired and i'm going back to work starting tomorrow um and, and you're too important um, I know of community options. Um, I've worked 37 years with people with disabilities, placing people, uh, job coaching, uh, in career services. Um, and I just want to take a minute first to discuss the um, counselors at Access VR, uh, the people at OPWDD. I've worked at FedCap and AHRC, and I've never met in my life 
the most dedicated people, the most caring people, the most creative people I have ever worked with. And we are changing the mentality. You know, when I see the word disabilities today, I think of how it's written, undercase, DIS, uppercase abilities. And that's what we're promoting. Just giving people the opportunity who can do the job and bringing people making them go from dependence to independence, letting them earn a paycheck and feeling good about themselves. I think there are very few things that could top that uh, as far as giving back. Most of the people I've worked with I know could go on to other areas in business and earn more money, but, they're, but they just tend to stay and give back, and I will always take great memories with me. The one area I think we could improve in uh, and do a better job is with Social Security, making people understand, don't worry about closing your case if you find a job, if it doesn't work out. And we need to do a better job in making them understand that it's not the end of the world. Uh, you'll get back on um, SSDI or SSA. Um, it's not going to take as long as it took to apply for it. Uh, there's, there's great programs like with Access Work Tryout. There's, um, the Social Security program allows you to work without losing your benefits. Um, and I won't go into all the details about that, but I think we could do a better job. And let me just say this. I know how difficult it is to find housing in New York. There is no magic bullet. And you guys, uh, Community Options does a terrific job. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good day. Thank you very much for your kind words and your call this morning, Jerry. I'd like to respond to what Jerry said? Robert, would you like to respond to what sure. Jerry said? We, we need a dozen. We need we uh, we got to clone that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really sweet of him. And, and I do uh, again, Bob. He's right about you. You you're always trying to have nonprofits involved and 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 on your show and. It's quite a wonderful thing you do. Um, yeah, you know he he's he is right. You know when people work, there uh, the little fear that some families have is they might lose their benefits, but they won't. Uh, we we know how to do it now where they won't, and it's it's a uh, it's uh, called the Able Act, and it's uh, it's it's one of the things that came out of of um, advocacy for people with disabilities. And, and I'll tell you, you know, when you were talking before about asking about advocacy um, re- recently. I, I brought up the fact that the president's uh, White House talked about apprenticeship programs. And I, and I went to Washington and I talked to people there and I said, you know, the apprenticeship programs are great, but you've got to also have apprenticeships for people with disabilities. And they all said, wow, we didn't think about that part. So they're trying to figure out how to get us into those kind of situations. We do a lot of programs, Bob, where we take kids who are 15, 16 years old, who've never had a job, and we try them out in a local hospital or in a local store or in a local place as an apprenticeship, and then they learn whether or not they like that job. And then if they do, when they finish school with a disability, they can go into that job and, and, and they can be paid. And the parents are so happy because then their, their, their son or daughter have, have a job already. Mm-hmm. And what do you say about, um, I guess, the tendency or nature of people with disabilities and you know one of the things for employers uh, many times these days with 
um, job situations, especially in kind of entry-level jobs, is they will get people who will come on board and they may be enthusiastic at the start, but sometimes it's days, sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's even hours into the job. Their interest level drops off. Maybe they start slacking off. They start not showing up, et cetera. I'm assuming you don't run into that with the people you're working with. No, I'm. I'm uh, our people are very uh, excited to be at the at the job, and a lot of people, especially it's it's. Uh, I don't like to uh, categorize people, but we see for some reason a lot of people that we work with who happen to have autism, they kind of like the repetitive work. People with this with with you know a lot of us. A lot of us don't, you know, the one thing that we don't like is surprises, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the old joke, the only the only people that like change are wet babies. Um, <laughs> we, 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 people with disabilities like to come to the same job and do, do what they, what's required of them for that job, and they don't seem to lose interest. I will tell you, there's a fellow I, that I'm personally friends with who I took out of a facility named Bernard, and he's and I placed him in a job in 1995, and he's still in that job. Wow! And and he saved enough money where he was able. He now has his own condo, and he takes a bus to work. And 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 I'll tell you my favorite story about about Bernard. The bus he happens to be cognitively impaired. He's also blind. Mm. The bus dropped him off at the wrong condo. Oh. So he's opening up, he's knocking on the door, and he's trying to get his key, and it won't open up the door. And this older woman opened up the door, and she said, what are you doing trying to get into my condo? And he said, what are you doing in my condo? (laughs) And now they have lunch about once a month. Uh, that's a that's a wonderful end to what what could have been a bad bad situation in terms of a story. So, when we talk about the kind of work that community options is involved in, um, in terms of fundraising uh, support for your efforts, what kind of events do you do in the course of a year? Well, I'm. I'm- I'm glad you brought that up. We um, we're, we're fundraising. Uh, we're always fundraising. We're always trying to get people to support us. Uh, we have a. We're going to have in May in Princeton, May seventh. We're going to have a gala uh, fair uh, with uh, some pretty good speakers, and uh, we're, we're we're at the university. They're, they've been kind enough to let us use their uh, their their facilities, and uh, we're, we're hoping that we can have four or five hundred people come May May seventh. So people that want to get involved with us, all they have to do is look at our website again. We also have a variety of golf tournaments throughout the, throughout the state, um, and we're always trying to get people to uh, to come and play golf. And then we have uh, we have we have a, a lot of smaller events that are that are exciting and, and interesting. But we're always trying to to see if we can get people who want to uh, contribute to the organization. We're, I'm very proud to tell you, Bob, that. Um, Every dollar that goes that, that's raised for community options, ninety cents. That's ninety cents goes directly to the services. That's right. We only lose use ten percent of uh, our budget is for administrative costs. All the rest of it goes directly to the people we support, the staff that support them, the homes we buy, or helping them to, with the transportation to their job. That's very impressive. Um... And the other aspect of this is some people wonder, is there any government support? 
Yes, we, we do. We're, we're constantly uh, uh, trying to go to, uh, we, we write grants with the government. We, we work with Medicaid, with, 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 with every state that we're in, and, um, we're, and with, uh, with the Department of Education, the Department of Labor, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services. We're always working with them to try to see if we can uh, uh, get, get, get funding. And we, 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 we do it. We have a variety of people that receive Medicaid benefits, and we uh, help, you know, build that and help uh, make sure that the, the people that are get under the coverage for that are, are handled. Um, the government is, is you know, is, is, again, you know, somebody from a high-level guy from the government once said to me, what's the most complicated part of your job? And I told him that we spend more time uh, documenting the care than providing it. So uh, hopefully the regulations won't won't won't, won't continue to do be like that. But we're we're constantly fighting or not fighting, but we're constantly working, I should say, in tandem with the government to try to figure out how to make sure things are are, are working out well. And uh, I'm proud to tell you that uh, with the 5,600 employees that we have, we we have a small amount of people that do all of the 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 the, the back room stuff, the billing and all that work, and uh, it, it works out well. There's an event that is coming up also in May, as I understand. It's referred to as the I Matter Conference. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, 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 we're doing a conference in Princeton, and again, that's going to be in May, and it's to uh, heighten the awareness of families. Families, a lot of families, you know, I, I meet people all the time, and they'll say, oh, my son or daughter, just uh, we just found out they got diagnosed with autism. Or I found out that my son, my son has intellectual disabilities. I don't know what to do. And the truth of the matter is, Bob, you know, under the, this, in this country, in the United States, if you are a child with a disability, you are entitled to a free and appropriate education. And they all get that. And they're all go, they all go to school, and we have tremendous teachers throughout the, the country and tremendous teachers in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, who work really well with people with disabilities, and I take my hat off to them. What happens, though, is one day that child is not, becomes an adult, and they're not going to be eligible for those services, and the families will ask that big question, those two words, now what? So we help them come, and we help them uh, uh, if they come to this conference, the iMatter conference. If they come to anything that we do, or they contact our office, we try to help them learn the the avenues that they can pursue in order to uh, get to get uh, services for the, for their son or daughter after they finish the school system. Now, is that a national conference? Yes, it is. We have people coming from all over the country. And it'll be based in Princeton, but it's, people will be coming from as far away as Salt Lake City and uh, Phoenix and all over the, the country. And uh, we're very uh, excited about that as well. Now, I'm glad you mentioned families because, you know, as you were saying, I guess the importance of um, support services, support programs for families and family members, I guess that cannot be overstated when it comes to people with disabilities. Yes, yes. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. It can't be overstated. And what we try to do is we have locally, throughout the whole country, we have what's called Community Options Business Advisory Committees. And it stands, we, we call it COBAC, because we don't have, because that's what it, it spells. And 
COVACs are for families, people, we have businesses, we have people with disabilities, we have families of, of people with disabilities. We want them to sit on this board. And the, the local business advisory committees, they can sit on this board on a local level and advise our local executive directors on what their son or daughter might need, what direction they think the organization should take, how that might work. Um, and, 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 and the families are the ones that, that help guide the organization. You know, there was a, there's an old joke, you know, Lincoln said, you can fool some of the people some of the time, you can't fool all the people all the time. We always add to that, yeah, but you can never, ever, ever fool a mother. Mm. And, uh, and parents, are, parents are the key to the organization, and they're the driving force of what has to be done. And it takes parents with common sense to tell us how we can, you know, better um, uh, uh, do our job. And, and they, they know a lot more, obviously, about their own son or daughter than we do, and they'll guide us on what needs to be done for that. I mentioned earlier, and I want to ask you now, when you look to the future, what's on your wish list as an organization? Oh, we have so many things on our wish list. Um, we're, we're trying so hard. Again, you know, the, the, the people will talk about the robust economy, and we do have a very good economy now. We're hoping that people are more generous to us because of the robust economy. Because the other thing that happens on our wish list, Bob, is we're now compete. We, when the when the economy's not that great, it's easier for us to hire staff. But when the economy's really good, we're competing with a with a for profit private sector who pay better wages, who um who who can do those kind of things. So when the government says, "Oh, let's increase the minimum wage and let's increase these kinds of things," we go, "Oh, well, that's great." But 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 we still have to figure out how to scrape together the money to pay the people uh, who who provide the service those kinds of things. So my wish list is that there can be a greater understanding for what an appreciation for how hard we work to try to get, you know, things done and, uh, and, and how, how, how to get that, that accomplished in the realms of other wish lists, you know, we're trying really hard to um, open up more programs for people with disabilities. We have, um, we, we, we'd like to open up uh, 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 another daily planet, but we'd like it to be in Harlem We'd like to open another Daily Planet. We'd like it to be in Philadelphia. But uh, again, those kinds of wish lists are giant wish lists because as the fellow who, the last speaker that you had on the phone, the call in, you know, housing is expensive in New York. But I'll tell you what, uh, uh, buildings are, are equally more of a heavy lift. So our wish list is to try to figure out how to develop funding for those kinds of, of, of buildings where we can have people with disabilities go and work. We can have people rent those offices. We can we can provide services. And again, once they do that, those buildings are self-contained and self-sufficient. And we think it's a, a really really good uh, way of of uh, everyone getting a bigger bang for the buck. Um, I, I hate the old cliche to use cliches, but cliches work. I mean, teach a person to give a give a person a fish and he eats that day. Teach a person to fish and he fishes for for the rest of his life and mm-hmm. he can eat for the rest of his life. Same with people with disabilities. We can give them the skill set that they need. They can work and they can become more independent and get off of the taxpayer dole. And they can be and they can they can uh, be citizens where they contribute taxes and they can contribute just like other people without disabilities. Thank you very much for joining us. Certainly, good luck with the efforts of the organization. Robert Stack, who is founder, CEO, and uh, president of 
community options. Our guest this hour of our program on the fan. Thank you for joining us. It's Ed Randall who is along talking baseball after our nine o'clock update on the. Fa- Ed Randall, he's back. Yes, he'll be back after our nine o'clock update today. After our eight o'clock update, it's Rick Wolf with the Sports Edge program on the fan. This hour of our program should be a very interesting one because we have a good guest who is going to share an awful lot with us in discussion. He has quite a um, presentation to bring to the table interesting background as well. His name is Brian Gordon. Brian is the founder of SoberTube. Now, some of you are saying, SoberTube? What's SoberTube? Well, you're going to find out. Get ready. Brian has a lot of energies bringing to the table as well. First of all, good morning. Welcome to our program on The Fan, Brian. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Nice to have you uh, join us. I guess um, let's do a little bit of your background um, because you are somebody who is – in recovery, I believe you have over eight years of sobriety at this point? Yes, I'm coming up on nine years, okay. April 4th. Well, and, and early congratulations on that. Um, what was your journey like? Um, I grew up the son of an alcoholic. Uh, he used to bring me to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings all the time. He would drive me there while he was still drinking, and my father never found the recovery that I did. Um, I picked up pot by the age of 15, got kicked out of high school by the age of 16, and by 27, I was homeless, addicted to heroin and smoking crack and shooting heroin with people I shouldn't be hanging out with. And um, chronologically, when was this? What time period are we talking about? Uh, This was, well, I'm 36, so this was the early 2000s. Things got really bad by 2005, 2006. So what turned it around? Um, I got to a point where, and that's a good question, what turned it around? Everybody always wants to know, what's my bottom? My bottom my bottom was homeless, and my bottom was my family did one thing right. They didn't do a lot right when it came to handling me, but the one thing that they did right was they said, we've had enough, and we're going to protect ourselves from you. We don't want you in the house. We don't want you at the holidays. You're not allowed to be around your nieces and nephews. We don't want you stealing from us anymore. We don't want you around. You're homeless. Do you want to be dropped off on the corner, or do you want to be dropped off at a rehab? And that was my bottom. So when you were told that, how do you react? How do you respond? So it was it was a little bit cold out when I decided to get sober. Um, I wasn't fit for homeless. Um, I went to jail once or twice, and that wasn't working for me either. I didn't have any more people to borrow money from or anything left to do. I went to a rehab with a bad attitude and I said, well, this isn't going to work, but at least I could sit here for 28 days and get free food. And I realized in there after a few days that I am no longer going to successfully be able to use drugs and alcohol. And I was kind of bummed out because listen, I, I actually like getting high. It's fun. If I could do it successfully, I would. I've just come to realize that it is impossible for me to do it successfully without being a homeless person. 
Mm. So this rehab that you went to did not work. Then what? So I went to a few detoxes, a few rehabs. And finally, after I got to my last rehab, I said, wow, this isn't going to work. I got to have to listen to somebody. And every single night at eight o'clock after sitting with counselors all day and sitting in these weird groups all day and telling people how I felt right now, I would sit in these 12 step meetings at eight o'clock and I would hear a guy come in and I'd be like, wow, that guy's actually just like me. He's actually a heroin addict and a junkie that has time away from the drug and actually seems happy. I wasn't just looking to not get high. I was looking to not have the urge to get high. And the one thing that helped me was addicts that had recovered were able to help me more than a counselor, more than a TV show, more than a movie, more than a group, more than a psychologist, more than medicine, more than a psychiatrist. I found that the old-fashioned one addict helping another was really what, what could help me. So if that's the case, and one of the videos that I was watching in preparation for our discussion today, there was a, a line in there that grabbed me because that's what it's supposed to do. When you say that these were your words, you're here to get recovery out of the church basement and onto YouTube. I thought that was really powerful. Yes, and that, that's, that's, that's why I created this YouTube series. You know, you can go on TV and watch a show where you can watch somebody get high for an hour, and at the end they say, Bobby's got 20 days clean. I want to know how Bobby got clean. Um, there's really good information in these anonymous programs, but we're not supposed to talk about it. It's anonymous. It's in a church basement. It's in the, it's in the back of some room that nobody knows about. The best recovery that I've seen has been around since the 1930s, and you can find it in the 12-step fellowship. The problem is, is that it's hard to even find that room. It's fi- hard to find that information. But the one thing that we're doing every single day, uh, the millennials and every single person with a cell phone in their hand, is we're playing with our cell phones. Imagine somebody can go on the Internet at 3 o'clock in the morning before they shoot heroin and before they smoke crack, and they can actually find an addict that's recovered from smoking crack and shooting heroin. Imagine you can give that person hope. I mean, how is this information not on the Internet? You can go on the Internet and learn how to do anything. You can change a tire. You can do anything. Why can't you learn how to get sober on the Internet? It's, it's, it's insane to me, and someone's got to do it. I'm breaking a bunch of t- traditions of the 12 steps by doing it, but you know what? I'm not burying another friend. I don't care if I'm breaking a tradition. This information needs to get out there. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. Let me ask you a question, because as you say that, and when I first heard about SoberTube, this thought came to my mind, so I pose it to you. Why didn't somebody do this before? I have no idea. I searched the Internet for somebody. I said, why isn't this happening? You'll find a couple speeches on TED Talk, which will keep you updated and teach you a little bit about recovery, but not consistent. And that's the one thing even I can do better. There needs to be consistent information, because just like an addict wants to smoke cracker all day or drink alcohol all day, there should be tons of information for them to watch. I try and answer every single question. People write to me from all over the world asking me questions, and I want to answer all of them. This is a big thing. It's, it's an epidemic. It's growing, and people need to get help. So the best place for it to be, of course, would be the Internet, the place that we spend the entire day. Okay. So for folks who are listening to this discussion, they may be intrigued. There are people who are listening to this discussion also who can benefit by watching this. How do they find it? 
very simply. All you have to do is go onto the internet and search youtube.com slash SoberTube, or you can just go onto Google and search SoberTube, and there's over 50 videos there about real recovery, not from a counselor, not from a professional, from an addict who has sat in rooms and sat in H&I meetings, meeting addicts, talking to addicts on a regular basis, and learning how to recover from this insane disease of addiction that affects every single person. There's not a person that you can say, do you know somebody suffering from the disease of addiction or alcoholism that will ever say no? Everybody has one person in their family. So how many people, in terms of addicts, do you think have been actually helped with SoberTube? Well, the numbers tell me that close to a quarter million people have watched SoberTube episodes. Um, I wish I could claim that I've helped that many people. If I've claimed one or helped one kid not die, that's enough for me. But I've gotten thousands of emails from all over the world. As you know, last night I got a message a couple, you know, from another part of the planet that said, "Dude, thank you so much. Like you made me laugh today, and I haven't laughed in a really long time. And maybe just laughing is the beginning of this person's journey into recovery." When we talk about addiction, why is it that addiction seems to be, some will say, exploding in terms of its scope in this country? That's a scary question. Um, It's becoming more readily available. I think a lot of people are starting with Oxycontin. I think pills have flooded the streets, and they've also... We've got doctors that are ready to give you pills whenever you go in there. I mean, one of my biggest addictions was Xanax. I went into my doctor and told him I couldn't sleep at night, and he gave me a drug that once I ran out of his, I went and bought it from the street from drug dealers every day. Um, I was given pot at a young age. For me, pot was a gateway drug. It's not for everybody, but for me it was. These things are so readily available. Anybody can go into their cabinet and find a Vicodin from the dentist, a Percocet from some accident they had. Drugs are too accessible these days. And what do you say, because I'm sure the question comes up, when you get a question from a teenager who is trying drinking or experimenting with drugs, what do you say to them? I think information is the key. I mean, I think if you tell somebody that they eat too much pizza, they're eventually going to become overweight. I think that's important information. I think if you tell a teenager that, you know, you might be smoking pot on the weekend or you might be drinking a little bit, but for a guy like Brian, that ended in homelessness, that there are such things as gateway drugs. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to happen, but if you have that allergy, you don't know how this thing is going to multiply. I think information is key. I think people have to learn how to play the tape through. I think people have to see what happens to the guy who started off drinking and, like my father, died because of his alcoholism, because he could never stop. I think information is key. Some people have this thing and some people don't. You know, my, my girlfriend can have a drink and she can go to work the next day. If I have a drink, I'm not coming home for two weeks. Mm. That's a very powerful statement when you stop and think about it. What was your father like as a person? My father was as the AA people would call restless, irritable, and discontent. He went to meetings, but he didn't participate. They had these things called the 12 steps that we all resist, and unfortunately they work. Um, My dad was angry every single day that he didn't have a drink. And when he had a drink, he was kind of happy, but he was completely drunk. And he couldn't drink without 
driving. He couldn't drink without driving with me in the car. Um, he was never a good dad. He was miserable on a daily basis, and he never found the recovery that I did. And I promised myself as a kid I would never be like this man. And for a really long period, I was a mirror image of my father. And uh, he, he just never found the recovery that I did. <clears throat> I got to ask you a question because um, I'm listening to you. I'm thinking some of the people who are listening to our discussion today. And we've really just started in this discussion with Brian Gordon, who's the founder of SoberTube. At this point in your life, would you say you're happy? Yeah, I am 100% happy. I don't miss drinking and drugging. That's some more information that I think people need to know. If you can find real recovery, you don't miss it. It's not about getting really strong and learning how to fight the urge. It's not about avoiding people, places, and things permanently. It's about healing your past, righting the wrongs, and removing that addicted person and that pain-filled person and really getting to live two lives and becoming a new person. So today, I'm 100% happy. I don't live a perfect life, but when things go wrong, I have tools in my toolbox that teach me to live a sober life. And what do you say to, and there's a lot of people who are listening to this show who attend meetings on a daily basis or, or perhaps a weekly basis, because we've had a lot of discussions over the years um, and have had listeners who've called in and talked about that. What do you say to people who are in 12-step programs? And they say, think, they say it works for them. I think the most important thing to do is, I know they tell us to keep this anonymous, but what do, what do we gain by keeping it anonymous? I think that an important thing, if you're in a meeting, is to come out and make sure that you tell people in life, hey, listen, I'm a person in recovery. Life is so much better on the other side. I mean, it's spreading positivity. It's telling people that this thing works. You know, I'd rather get somebody halfway into their addiction than get them at their bottom. You know, we don't, we don't get to save everybody. A lot of people are dying. And I think that the stigma about addiction is sad. I think it's a disease. I think, you know, any other disease we could talk about freely and openly. I think that if you're suffering from the disease of addiction, you find recovery. The most important thing is step 12 is we can't keep what we have. We're not helping people. We need to really break the silence and help people recover by exposing it. Well, we're having an interesting discussion today. What we'll do is try to involve some of the folks listening to us as well. You can join us, 877-337-6666. Radio.com. Radio.com. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program after our 8 o'clock update. And along after our 9 o'clock update, that gentleman who's been coaching me all week. Literally. About how to get on base and move along. Ed Randall, he'll be by. He'll be talking baseball after our 9 o'clock update on The Fan this morning. We are in a discussion with Brian Gordon. Brian is the founder of SoberTube, and we're talking with him about this um, topic and talking about addiction. What I said we'll do also is try to work in some thoughts from some of the folks who are listening to us today. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. And I'll tell you what, let's start on the phones, uh, Brian. I have a feeling this is going to be a busy hour in this regard. Uh, let's see. We'll go first to uh, John in Brooklyn. John, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Uh, good morning. How are you? Well, thank you. And yourself? 
Um, you were talking about having a bottom. Um, when you say bottom, did you go right down or alcohol or drugs? So mine was drugs, and that's a great question. Um, I think that a lot of us question that. We say, oh, you know, mine was heroin, mine was crack, my dad's was alcohol. I don't think it really matters so much what your drug of choice is. It's just where has it brought you? Do you use for fun or are you using out of necessity? Um, do uh-huh. people in your life think that you have a problem? Well, when I, when, when I went in, and as, as I said, you have to have to want the program and want to stop doing what you're doing for yourself. You can't do it for somebody else because nobody can help you besides going to like a counselor and you tell them your story and you, you're taking what you're supposed to take in and leave what you, you're not supposed to take. And you're not supposed to compare yourself with somebody else. Correct. You're not supposed to compare. You're supposed to identify. And that's right. And they say, yes, it's a selfish program and you got to do it for yourself. And when they told me that, I said, well, that's easy because I'm very selfish. I'm a very selfish addict. So you want me to do this for myself? I'll do it. Okay. Just thought I would call you and let you know about that. That's all. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Okay. Th- all right. Thank you for your call this morning, John. Let's go next at 877-337-6666. That's our number. We go to Ron in Jersey. Ron, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Ron? Oh, Ron. Calling Ron one more time. Ron, are you there? Oh, oh, I guess not. Okay, well, you know what? Let me put him on hold and see if perhaps you guys can pick up and see if he's there. Uh, let's see. We go next to Peter in Fairfield. Peter, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I just wanted to say that I think it's cool um, being an addict that you guys are talking about it, especially on this station. You know, it's usually all sports on the, all the time. But um, yeah, I really just wanted to thank you for doing this program, and I can't wait to listen some more. Thank you. Thank you for your call this morning. Peter, much. It's very interesting. Um, obviously, connect with a lot of people listening to our discussion today. And one of the questions that often comes up in discussions like this, people will ask, what should they do if um, they know or perhaps they think somebody is suffering from addiction? What do you advise? That's a great question, and I, I'm faced with it on a regular basis. And the mistake that I see a lot of families do is that the family decides that they are now the counselor, that they are going to, A, they're either going to enable them, I'm going to I'm going to pay for their car, I don't want to upset them too much, I'm going to take care of their legal troubles, which doesn't work, or they immediately just throw them out and get rid of them. The most important thing that a family member or loved one can do is take themselves out of the equation and seek professional help. Go find a drug counselor or a rehab and let most of us addicts need time away from the family and away from the drug. I think it's important to formulate a plan with professionals to kickstart the recovery mode. Some people will ask, are there things that you point to as warning signs? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's the typical warning signs that we could see on a TV show like Intervention. It's, it's things are missing. 
it's that person sleeping too much. It's, it's they're completely cut off from reality or they're cut off from family or they can't wake up. Uh, the, you know, someone's wallet's missing, the debit card's missing, their, their jar full of change is missing. Um, and you, you could tell they, they're, they're the oddball in the room. You could tell that they're no longer having fun. I, I have an addict that's, you know, close to me right now, and I could see this kid suffering in front of me. And it's, it's, I just want to help them so bad. And it's there. If you think it's happening, it probably is. You're better safe than sorry. It can't hurt to, to find out if it is. If you do a little investigation, if you look around, you'll find the, you know, the pill bottle or the straw or the empty cans. We're not good at hiding our addiction, us addicts. I think it's important to be very vigilant. It's a deadly disease. People die every day. And what about, as you mentioned it before, this often comes up in discussion, those evidences of theft taking place very often in the home? Yes. Things disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to borrow change endlessly. I, I remember at one point my sister said, there's, there's no change left in this entire house. How is that possible? Um, you know, debit cards get stolen, cash gets swiped, things get pawned. You know, you can walk into my sister's house at any time and notice that the TV's missing, you know, and that's at the pawn shop, and I got 40 bucks for it. My, my nephew's piggy bank could disappear, um, you know, and how does that affect them? That's how my disease can indirectly affect other people. That's how the family suffers from my disease. And then when we get to that word recovery and talk about recovery. You talk about recovery being possible for anyone. One of the questions that I think is one we should explore when talking about recovery is where in recovery does, I guess for lack of a better term, self-respect step back into the, into play. Self-respect. So when you're doing the 12 steps, you get to a point where you have to right all the wrongs and you have to apologize, not just say, hey, listen, I'm sorry that I did this. You actually get to a point where you say, hey, listen, I got a disease. I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to take all those things. How can I, how can I make this right? Most people say, I'm just glad you're alive. And some people say, I don't know if you could ever fix this. And some people say, I, I need you to pay me back. Um, this amazing thing happens though. Most of the people that when you're trying to do this step and, and help right the wrongs, they'll say, dude, I'm just so happy you're alive. You don't have to pay me back. Just keep doing what you're doing. You look better. You gained weight. You look healthy. You're shaving. Now you're dressing normal. You start to have self-confidence. You start to have self-respect. You start to feel like I can do this. You know, the steps were, were made perfectly in the 1930s and they're able to create a new person inside of you and to shed that layer of addiction, pain and struggle and get rid of it. And you get to live two lives. It, it changes you. The steps really well make you a new person and you will respect yourself and love yourself for the first time ever. That's a thing that I struggled with my entire life. And today I can say, you know, I'm happy and okay with who I am. And in your case with recovery, how long a period of time did it take for you to reach a point where you could say you had at least started the process of recovery? So I got out of a rehab. I spent a couple weeks in meetings, just bopping around, hanging out, 
socializing with people and realizing this wasn't enough. It's not enough for me just to hang out in these meetings. Uh, this isn't a playground. You know, I got to do some serious work. And I kept bumping into this guy who actually sponsored me. And he'd always say, you doing the 12 steps? You got a sponsor yet? And I'm like, nah, not going to do that. And he's like, well, this program will not work for you. And you will not get sober if you do not do this work. And I actually, I wanted to, I was really upset with this guy. I'm like, who is this guy to say this to me? So I told the guy, I want you to temporarily sponsor me. And uh, I'll give this a shot. So me and him worked together for six months. And after six months, I completed my steps. And I said, all right. Thank you. I graduated. I'm done. He said, you're not even close to done. He said, I want you to spend the rest of your life helping other addicts the way I helped you. And uh, it took me about six months after my last drug use to get out of a mode where I was struggling and wanting to use. I have not had an urge since then. It's been about eight and a half years before I had the urge to use a drug. And I spent every single day since then helping other addicts recover. And that's how we stay sober. We help other addicts get sober. Interesting statements coming our way from Brian Gordon. He's our guest this hour of our program on The Fan. He's the founder of SoberTube, which is a series of videos on YouTube. And yes, they are free. Um, There's a lot of information in those videos. You mentioned it's about 50 videos? Yep, there's about 50 videos. There's interviews with other addicts that have recovered, school teachers, professionals, guys like me, street guys. There is every question that you have, what are the 12 steps, what are... 90 and 90. What is a sponsor? What do I do when I first get sober? And there's also me traveling around the world as a guy in sobriety. You know, I never traveled as an addict unless it was to jail or to rehab. And when I was, you know, on a pyramid a couple months ago with my girlfriend, I said, wow, how did a guy like me get here? Mm -hmm. You know, this is a gift of sobriety, being able to see the entire world. And then I vlog my travels around the world as well on my sober channel, SoberTube. Let's go back to the phone. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. We go to uh, Glenn in Pompano Beach, Florida. Glenn, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning. Thank you so much, and congratulations, sir, on your eight years uh, clean and sober. Thank you, Glenn. I've, I've been in recovery for 34 years, and I still attend meetings. And I just wanted to uh, say about the anonymity that you were talking about before, Yep. Uh, it, we have to get this message out there. There's no doubt about it. I've never listened to your YouTube channel, but as far as anonymity goes, I could say I go there. I can't say that another person goes there. Correct. So as, as far as getting the message out, we've got to save lives. We've got to give this thing away, and we've got to get this message out there. So I just wanted to clear that up the anonymity part of the program. So, yeah. Yes. And I agree with you. Anonymity is so important. I never expose other people. I just expose myself on a daily basis. For me, it's easy for me to say, Hey, listen, I'm a guy in recovery and people go, wow, really? You, you were an addict. Exactly. Yeah. That people say the same thing about me. I'm not the same person I used to be. That's great. And thank you so much, man. That's step 12. I think step 12 is, sometimes giving up our anonymity and giving somebody else hope. I do it all the time. And people look at me, uh, I'm proud of myself and people look at me with respect and they're proud for me as well. You know, there's no longer that stigma anymore. Yeah. And there's so much magic in the rooms that it's almost like, how can I not tell everybody how good this recovery thing is? It's unbelievable. And my life is so wonderful today. It's great. I'm a grandfather. 
no longer a slave. I can go and do anything I want today. It's Amazing. a great life. Congratulations. Great life. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Bob. Have All a right. great day, fellas. You too. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Also, not bad that he's in Pompano Beach, Florida. <laughs> well. He's lucky. Well, yes. Brian Gordon is talking with us on our program on the fan. He's the founder of Sober Tube, which is a series of videos on YouTube. And he's talking with us about, uh, well, he's talked about his experience with addiction and uh, recovery and shared an awful lot in discussion. What I've said as well is we'll try to work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us. You want to join us in our discussion. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. You said earlier that the stigma about addiction is uh, sad, and I thought that was a, a very true statement that I would imagine connected with an awful lot of people who are listening to us today. Yes, there is. So I watch this TV show on a regular basis, and it's all about an addict using and an addict destroying somebody's life and destroying their family's life. And you, you can watch them using, and you, you see what a bad person they are. But then at the end, they say, oh, John's got 20 days clean. I want to know how John got 20 days clean. Mm-hmm. We see in all the movies what addiction does to us. We see all the negative parts. And it almost exploits the addicts, because why can't we show something about recovery? Why not make a show that's 30 minutes of us using and then another 30 minutes of us recovering? Uh, all we do is see the negative about reco- uh, about addiction, but we never see the positive about recovery. And that's my mission in life is to show people that it's okay to be a guy with six months clean. In fact, you're a hero for having six months clean. And a guy with six months can help a guy with six minutes. Brian, we're going to take a pause in our discussion, come back, talk more with you. Ed Randall follows our 9 o'clock update on the fan this morning. Sports Edge after our 8 o'clock update. Radio.com. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Ed Randall will be talking baseball after our 9 o'clock update. And it's the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf along after our 8 o'clock update on The Fan this and every Sunday morning. I'm Bob Salter. We're in a discussion with Brian Gordon. Brian is the founder of SoberTube. And what I said we'd do is try to work in thoughts from some of the folks listening to us as well. 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. Next up, we go to Sean, who's been holding for a long time on Long Island. Sean, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning. How are you guys? Well, thank you. Sean. Thanks for holding on so long. Nah, no worries, man. So uh, yesterday was my one miracle year date. Wow. And... uh, Man, I got to tell you, the most amazing part of this is being able to wake up every morning. First of all, knowing I'm, I'm not hiding anything from my wife, and I can do whatever I want. Whatever I want. I can get up, and I don't have to worry about thinking about what I have to go get, what kind of money I have to get. My story is different. You know, I was able to, to hold things together, so-called, with my job and, and all this, and and. I would always say, you know, the meetings aren't for me. I have a great job. I'm in the medical industry, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And then so I met a guy, and I said, you know, I haven't hit a rock bottom. And at that point, my wife had kicked me out. My mother and father and the rest of my family weren't talking to me. And he says, wait, so your wife not talking to you and your family disowning you, that's not a rock bottom? <laughs> I said, I find that pretty funny. <laughs> so... For years, I 
would have accidents here and there, a couple of months here and there. But until I got into that work and took the suggestions, my life has become more amazing than you can imagine. I've become a biomedical engineer in one year. I've just developed, you know, my problem wasn't drugs. My problem was me being insecure and worrying about what everybody else thought of me, right? And uh, until I fixed me, I couldn't fix the drug problem. And once I fixed me and looked in the mirror, I can't, I'm telling you, if you're struggling out there, give it a shot, man. I'm telling you, I have a couple sponsees now. It helps me stay clean. And my enthusiasm towards this thing is so, it's almost like I'm floating on a cloud every day that I get to wake up. And every morning I wake up and I just say, thank you for letting me wake up. Thank you for helping me be free. I get on my knees and it's just, I cannot tell you how my life has changed. And it took a year. It took one simple year. And guys like you who have your web, you know, your YouTube page, man, I watch all the time. It just keeps me going, and, you know, I'm with my son right now. We're going to a reptile show. A year ago, I wouldn't have been able to get out of bed to even say hello to him when he woke up because I would sleep till 2 in the afternoon on a weekend. It's amazing, Sean. Congratulations to you and your family, and you're a true example of this program works, and your son never has to see that version of you that you used to be. And, and you're right, it's not about the drugs. It's about who we are, and we use the drugs as our solution, and, Today, we have a different solution. You know, we don't use drugs and alcohol, you know, and we're grateful for the lives that we have, man. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And, and you know, it's just, it, it, in my mind, every day, it drives me crazy that there's so many people out there that if we just got them in, in the room, we got them in our hands, and we explained to them, and we, and we could just, you know, grasp them, and, and, and that's the only thing in my mind every day that almost makes me tear up, that there's something there that people don't know about, and there's no help from, you know, our government. It's the war on drugs. We need to treat and not put people behind bars. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's such a messed up system, and it, it literally makes me tear up, and, it, and it's the only thing that troubles me these days, is thinking about other people and just trying to help people, and it's just, it's sad what we have going on because there's so much out there. They just don't know about it. I talked to a kid the other day that is begging for help and just doesn't, can't get into a rehab. There's nowhere for him to go. So he has no choice to use because he, he, he can't find help and he needs the help. And it's just, you know, I gave him a couple phone numbers of some of the guys that are real popular out there and have the morning shows and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, I try to bring him to meetings and he needs more than that, but it's just, you know, it's so tough. Yeah, I agree with that. And if, if you guys want to pass my phone number on to him, I actually spend every day of my life getting people into rehabs, whether they have or they don't have insurance. I can get them into a place. And yeah, I, I, agree. I have your number and stuff from your channel, and I, I, I might do that today. But, you know, thanks for what you do, man. You, you keep guys like me sober, and, and all I can do is give it to other people, and, and that's what I try to do every day. Sean. That's it, brother. One addict helps another. Amen. That's right. That's right. So you guys have a wonderful day. Sean, thank you very much for your call this morning and also your patience on the phone. Next up, we go to Tony in Orlando. Tony, good morning. Welcome to the fam. Hi. Good morning to you both. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you taking my phone call. Hello? Yes, you were listening to. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. 
Um, great program. And um, I this coming May, I will have um, actually 32 years of recovery. Wow. Um, uh, you know, and it, it's funny because when it becomes this habitual, uh, sometimes I have to pinch myself um, and remind myself what it was like, uh, you know, 32, 33 years ago. And let me commend you, Brian, on, on what you're doing. Um, we do live in a new world of social media and even things like recovery programs have to transform. Everything has to transform to the internet world that we live in today. And I wish we had the internet back in the 1980s when I was trying to get, uh, off cocaine and alcohol. Um, Because, you know, at that particular time, I felt really lost. And I actually spent 30 days in a rehab. Um, And after getting out of the rehab for about a week, I was right back on the coke. Uh, My mother sent me to one of the best psychiatrists in Manhattan for about three months. Um, And I was getting high in her bathroom um, while she was counseling me. So... It's a very, very um, vicious disease. And one thing I will say is don't give up. And I think that's the message that you're bringing this morning is not to give up, regardless of whether you've put a couple of days together, a week together, a month together, whatever it is. If you go back out there and use again, never give up. Because if I would have given up after the first, 20 times that I fell on my face, I wouldn't be talking today. I I would have been dead a long time ago. So um, anything I can do, um, I I applaud you and your effort. And uh, thank you so much for the show, Bob. You do a great job uh, with this program. Every Sunday morning, I listen to it from the internet here in Orlando. Thank you. And... uh, I'll definitely send you a message out on your channel. I didn't even know it existed. So it's good to uh, get this kind of information. But don't give up. Just that's that's the thing. You know, keep going to meetings. Keep using YouTube channels like SoberTube. Um, Keep listening to people that have recovered. The issues that I have in my life today, sometimes I, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to do this and I have to do that and this challenge and that challenge. And then I reflect back on the challenges that I had in my 20s um, that were all related to getting high. And it's just like a totally different uh, you know, set of circumstances that I have in my life today. And I'm actually blessed to even have these circumstances in my life. So that's it. Uh, this May will be actually 32 years. Um, and um, I feel very blessed and grateful. And you guys have a wonderful day. You too. Congratulations. Thank you, Thank you for your call. Thank you. And your nice words too, uh, Tony. Next up, we go to Aaron in Rockland. Aaron, good morning. Thanks for holding on. Hi. Welcome to the fan. You're welcome, guys. Good morning, sir. And thank you, Mr. Salter, for, for letting me call in. And uh, sorry, I didn't catch. I didn't catch the the guest's name. Uh, I I had just happened to turn on the radio, and and you guys were on. I I, I also listened to your show a lot, Mr. Salter. Uh, what please, I please call told, me. Please call me Bob, and the guest's name is Brian Gordon. 
Hi, hi, Mr. Brian Gordon. I'm actually waving to you. Hi, guys. I have autism. So, <laughs> so okay, Bob. Uh, uh, what what I what I told the screener was was that uh, this this past week, the the sixth of February, two thousand nineteen, on Wednesday, I celebrated six years free of no marijuana. I do attend a, a, a marijuana anonymous group. Many people don't know that it even exists. Uh, and God willing. As a higher power willing, in April, I'll have six years of no drink. Also, I have a problem with that. So, so my question was, was that so? So I can get this stuff. Uh, um, I'm not saying cured, recovered. No, I, 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 I got a grip on 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 this on these two drug and alcohol things. But uh, another fellowship I attend, Overeaters Anonymous, I, I, I can't get sober with food for one day and and my so so general recovery question is is i can i can deal with one thing but i can't deal with another what's going on thank you for letting me call in yeah i've heard of that too and a lot of people in recovery do struggle with weight one thing that is funny about recovery is we all seem to gain a lot of weight when we first get sober i gained 100 pounds because i got addicted to food and then I was lucky enough to get addicted to exercising and addicted to, you know, finding, you know, healthy food. So some advice I could give you besides going to Overeaters Anonymous is once again, find a nutritionist. You know, I, I learned about nutrition and recovery because I found out that I said, I'm not going to be able to lose this weight on my own, am I? I wasn't able to quit drugs and alcohol on my own, and I sure as heck wasn't able to quit eating food like a maniac on my own. And I, I mm. found a nutritionist and I learned about, you know, the difference between eating broccoli and eating pizza for lunch. Uh, so <laughs> I think it's, once again, it's, it's seek help just like you did for, for addiction. You should seek help for overeating because once again, there's a whole slew of problems that come from that. And why get sober and, and die from a heart attack? I think it's, it's mm. just as important. You got to take care of that sober body that you have. Yeah, yeah. I, well, in 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 my instance, uh, malnutrition and and underweight. I I, I do have anorexia, uh, and uh, but but I'll I'll end off things just just a general. I I believe everything that you're saying. Uh, time constraints can't allow it, but but all that you're talking about is is wonderful, and and someone from from oh, uh, just like Tony with the 32 years. Uh, there's a guy in the fellowship, Steve. Who who was able to get his act together when Father Bush was in, was in office and and last month celebrated 29 years no no smoke uh, and then and then a saying is every day is a chip day when when going to bed last night and, and in this case marijuana and you didn't smoke uh, and you woke up today and you vow you're not going to smoke uh, it's you're a winner every every person whether you have a second a year a month 30 doesn't matter. Everyone is a winner. All right. Thanks, guys. Take Thank care. You. Great job, buddy. Thank you very much, right. Aaron. Bye. Next up, we go to uh, Mark in Manhattan. Mark, good morning. Thanks for holding on. Welcome to the fan. How you doing, guys? Good. Thank you. Hey, Mark. Good. I just wanted to check in to say thank you for the show. Also, uh, one of the biggest lessons, I think, for all of us, when we first come in and we're confused and we're just so unsure of what's going on, is that you're not alone. You know, like I think all of us in the, in the beginning stages of our recovery feel so alone or in our addiction to feel so alone. One of the best messages I ever heard was like, you've never done something that someone else hasn't done already. 
So just talk about it, share about your emotions, and if you take the suggestions, it will change. They're not easy, but they're simple. So I just want to say thank you guys. And anyone that's out there who's supporting someone in recovery or who is the person in recovery themselves, you're not alone. Just ask for help. It's the gift of life. Thank you. Mark, thank you for your call this morning. Thank and thanks you, Mark. to everybody who called in. Um, Brian Gordon is the founder of SoberTube, series of videos on YouTube. Uh, Brian, thank you very much for joining us, sharing the information you have, and also providing some inspiration for some folks who have um, at times had to deal with various forms of addiction and also promote some talk about recovery, too. Certainly, uh, continued good luck for you on your journey as you move forward. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time, guys. We move toward our top of the hour update. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf has the sports edge. Ed Randall's by after our 9 o'clock update here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.